Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast with John Atkins. Hello, how's it going? It's me, John Atkins, aka the ukulele teacher on YouTube. Welcome once again to another episode of Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I realized last week when I was listening back to the Britney Piver episode just how much fun this project has been for me. And also how lucky I've been to get so many great guests in such a short amount of time. Uh, I haven't spoken about this much on the show, I don't think. But one of the reasons why this podcast has been such an important project for me is that I've been doing The Ukulele Teacher on YouTube for something like uh, 11, 12 years or so. Now, don't get me wrong, I know for a lot of people being a YouTuber is a dream job. And yes, I have certainly had a charmed life. I can't really argue that in good conscience. But from another perspective, that means that for most of the last 12 years, my job, my waking hours, basically involved getting up, turning on a camera, and talking to myself. Uh, A man gets lonely after a while. So having the chance to broaden my horizons a bit, meet other players, meet other YouTubers, musicians, and just have really interesting, long-form conversations with them, and get to know them a bit, well, that is a change that I've been after for a while. And I was thinking about this after the Britney conversation, but I think what's most important to me with this project is that I have a really clear idea of what I want it to be. And I'm not going to chase any algorithm or try and change it to fit what YouTube or Twitter or Instagram Reels or whatever think is popular. This podcast is going to be long form, in person, face to face conversations with people that I think you'll find interesting. And if I'm enjoying recording the conversations, then I hope you guys will enjoy listening to them. And that is absolutely good enough for me. With all that being said, I certainly want your feedback. If you've taken the time and trouble to download an episode and have a listen, then what you think is certainly important to me. So let me know who you've enjoyed hearing, who you'd like me to talk to in the future, and if you have any ideas of how I can make the show better. Because it's you, my listeners, that are important to me, and not some unseen, unknowable, constantly changing mathematical formula. And that, I think, well, I hope, is the last I'm going to be talking about the wretched algorithm. This is our place to get away from the stresses of daily life and get to know some of our favourite ukulele players a little bit better. Hey, I think that's my mission statement for the show, actually. So if you've been listening to the show so far, drop me a message on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And yes, I am aware of the hypocrisy of everything I've just said. I am, of course, on those platforms. I'm just trying not to be all-consumed by them. Or send me a good old-fashioned email to uketeacher at grabyouryuke.com and say hello. I genuinely would love to hear from you, and I reply, eventually, to everybody. So this week, I got the chance to chat with Christopher Davis Shannon, also known on social media as the Banjolele Tin Man. And although we'd never met in person before, I had spoke to him at length on his own podcast, a year or so earlier, and I've been looking forward to a return engagement as it seemed like we'd really hit it off and still had a lot more left to talk about. Well, as luck would have it, Chris was spending the summer in London, and so of course I couldn't resist hopping on the train up to Paddington and meeting him in Hyde Park for a good old chinwag one sunny Tuesday morning just before he left. My British listeners may remember that the summer of 22 was unseasonably hot for several weeks, Yet Chris still turned up in his trademark regalia, impeccably dressed in slacks, a smartly pressed white shirt, and crushed velvet neckerchief. 
And we do, of course, talk about absolutely everything. In fact, once we start rabbiting on, there's almost no stopping us. This episode, in fact, was nearly going to be a two-parter, but I decided to chop a few bits and pieces out and post that as a Patreon-exclusive bonus mini-ep. So if you do enjoy the chat, as I hope you will, and you're left wanting a little bit more, sign up to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uteacher, where you will find bonus conversations with James Hill and Ten Thumbs as well. But I'll be back later in the episode to tell you a little bit more about all of that. Right now, though, Chris and I talk about absolutely everything. Clothes, festivals, high G versus low G, and the third wave of ukulele and what that means exactly. But as is perhaps only to be expected in the 90 degree heat, we start off by talking about ice cream. So we're here talking ice cream, right? Yes. <laughs> My favourite is uh, fish food. What? Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Oh, is that, oh, oh, Ben. And, uh, ben I and had Jerry's. a totally different picture in my mind when you said that fish food like, before I heard Ben and Jerry's. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, fish food is. I mean, I'm a bit of a philistine. I think when it comes to food in general. Because, I've never. Uh, I've never had. What is entailed in fish food? I mean, it's just mainly chocolate, bits of chocolate, chocolate ice cream. Because I'm imagining like fruity pebbles flakes on top to make you know the. Like yeah, there's no flakes on it. They're sort of melted marshmallow ice cream. I, can, I like marshmallows. Uh, yeah, and maybe some sort of toffee or caramel or something. <sighs> Honestly, I, it's best not to, to to dig too deep into it. I think just to I know just, that it's just good. eat it. Just know That's that it's what good. Matters, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. a simpler man. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a bit of a food philistine. Like people say, like, what's your favorite food? And that is my answer. Like ice cream, ice cream. is my favorite food. What's yeah. wrong with that? My favorite meal would be ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that's yeah. very reasonable. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, I'm glad I caught you because you're back, you're going back to Pittsburgh. Philadelphia. 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 Sorry, Philadelphia. okay. In just a couple of days' time, right? Yes, in two days. Two I days. stay in London and I came here for the summer to escape the heat of Philadelphia and I failed. For sure. <laughs> it's been, we've had like 92 degree days and stuff I had, here. I, I, think, yeah. I believe I was here for the hottest day recorded in England. Amazing. Well, yeah, of course, because down here in London, it's even hotter, I think. Yeah, so, 43 up by wow. Heathrow. Wow. Well, you're doing, you're doing C and I'm doing the F. So 43. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that means oh, nothing you're doing the anymore. F. Yeah, 95. Oh, you've converted to American at this Absolutely, point. Absolutely, yeah. At yeah. 90, I, think, I think it was over 100, wasn't it? Really? Which is, in London? I mean, wow. A, a normal Philadelphia for me, but this, it feels substantially hotter in this city. Yeah. You can't escape it. No, there's, there's no, air no conditioning. AC. No AC, no sea breeze or anything. Yeah, in so, Philly, uh, I just pop into any building and I'm fine. Right. Well, that, that's something you. America's good at, isn't it? The uh, chilling the things? thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, chilling things, right. <laughs> having ice. Chilling things, yeah. having <laughs> ice, especially in, in soft drinks. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Something so, I've learned that's just not a thing. It doesn't seem to be. No, no. Well, the thing is, we have it so rarely, hot weather. You were, right, so which is why I unlucky. came here for the yeah. summer. Yeah, you were unlucky, if anything, to have such a beautiful, yeah. you know, couple of months. And I've sweated the entire time. Have you? Well, that must be a, a thing I was going to ask you in a roundabout way, because <laughs> you're always impeccably attired. Yes. How do well, you I avoid uh, sweating and stuff? Because I like to wear a shirt occasionally, but I find it very uncomfortable. Yeah, and I do. I, I wear a scarf every day, no matter right. how hot it is. Yeah. But they're linen. They're linen scarves. Okay, okay. So they're cool. And I've, mm-hmm. I, I've never... I, I don't want to say never, because I was a child at one point. I did wear shorts. Right. Okay. I, just, I just don't believe in shorts yeah. as attire. I have um, to say, I'm a real all. shorts person. A real shorts and, person. And I have nothing but, against that. Your personal decision should be sure. respected. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm very much a trousers and shirt all year round. Yeah. Sort of. And I've been like this since I was, I was young. I'd always have a, a uniform. Really? The uniform has evolved over the years to what we see now. And how, how would you describe your uniform? I know how I would describe your uniform. I, I, I like to think of um, uh, 1940s just coming off the boat from the war gets a modern update. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay. I was going to say to the 1920s Clark Kent. I, 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 I can dig yeah. I, I always find my trousers are not wide enough to be the 20s, which a band leader that I play with in Philly reminds me of on a regular basis. You say I, I, I refer to him as the best dressed man in Philadelphia. If you walk down the street and you happen to catch Vance, you just go, oh my gosh. Because uh, he looks like he stepped out of a movie, like Clark yeah. Gable. Yeah. Like yeah. All, every day, every day when he leaves his apartment, it's incredible. But he always teases me that my trousers are much too slim to be period appropriate. Right. They had Fair. bigger pants in those days. Much, or much wider. Flared or uh, not? Not flared. Like yeah. The whole, the whole pants leg would be massive. Bizarre. Okay. Yeah, and very high waist. My my waist yeah. fly is also not high enough, according to. Not him. high enough. It's still pretty high, but I would say. It, 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 it's high. I, I try to go the natural waist. Higher than but average. It, but the six or seven years that I've known Vance, I, I feel as though my trousers have gotten progressively higher as yeah. the years yeah. the years go by, and I keep calling him and going, "You're, you're right. You're right about all of this fashion stuff." <laughs> What's the uh, thinking behind it? I mean, is it, uh, is it anything to do with your music, or is it just a personal thing? Because you no, have got a really just, distinct image. Yeah, no, it's just, just personal. This is how I like looking. Looking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I know it's, some people it's odd to look the same every day. Um, no, not at all. I mean, it looks, it's a good look. At times I feel like a cartoon character. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a... Well, gimmick sounds dismissive, and I don't mean it in this no, way. No, it's the truth, like, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. branding to Branding is marketable, yeah. You, see, yeah. you see, see me walking down the street, and I, I don't look totally outlandish. Well, not I here feel, in London, yeah. No, not in London yeah. at all, no. Um, in Philadelphia, I do um, <laughs> look rather outlandish. Right, but, yeah, yeah. But you get used to it, and people know me. They know I'm the ukulele guy around town, so, it's, ah, so I get when, a pass. When you're walking around town, do you bring the uke as well? Oh, yeah, right, right. yeah. My uke's always with me. Is it? And that's the joy of soprano uke, isn't it? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, um, just me and the cat. Um, so I like to go out to the park for practicing. So I'll go cho choose random parks around the city just to, to make sure that I actually leave my apartment. Yeah. You know how did, when, you're, when you're doing YouTube and video editing, yeah. some days you forget that the outside exists and you're supposed to see the sun. I resemble that rock. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, try to, I yeah. try to force myself um, with practicing to go outside. So my uke's always, always with me um, when I go out. So I'm easy to spot. So you are kind of the uke guy in, uh, in your town. I guess. And I, I don't know many ukulele players in Philadelphia. That's a shame. Honest. I mean, Philadelphia is not a small place. No, we, and we do have a youth community, so I don't want to okay. say that we do, but the vast majority of it is outside the city. Right. Up on, okay. on, up on the main line. Um, you know, we have a, an amazing music store, Funky Frets, out there in Boyertown, which is 45 minutes, an hour outside the city. And they have a phenomenal youth group. Um, also one in Phoenixville, the main line youth group. So there, there are lots of players, but not in the city itself, especially in like the performing music scene. You don't. We've. Uh, my friend Emily Drinker is probably the only other person I know that really performs steadily with, with ukulele. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a small scene there. That's yeah. not, not like here. There's so many uke players here. I suppose there are. I mean, you were just saying you came over here for the summer and you've been to, well, how many festivals have you been to while you've been here? Just one. I was just, oh, just at, one. Yeah, okay. just, uh, just at uh, Ukulele Huli over in, in Dublin, um, which was incredible. I've never seen so many soprano ukes in one place. 
I don't know what it is with that festival. But Interesting. They, I, yeah. I'm used to going to festivals, and I'm the weird guy with the soprano. Yeah. Uke. Yeah. Um, everyone there was playing soprano. It made me so, just so happy. Well, what do you think that's about? Because I, I think it's because it's hard to, like... Um, plug a soprano uke in a lot of the time so yeah, and I, if you're I playing don't. a festival it's hard to you yeah, you can just yeah uh, I bring a microphone yeah. with me that yeah. I always use um, mm. no, the, I, I think the tenor has definitely taken over as sort of the standard right really I, I, mm. I feel that way um, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily no. I mean, a lot of people playing low G low G does the longer string length I have noticed low G yeah a yeah. lot on that and I play you know, almost exclusively high G yeah because um, to me that's so much fun yeah and such an odd way of thinking being someone that I, I play bass and guitar and, and, and banjo as well and to have that mindset of there's these two strings that are a whole step apart right what do I do with that is very interesting to me where when I play Logi I sort of get in the, the guitar mindset of things things go this way and up and down and down and everything's backwards on IG and I find that beautiful yeah and I can do chords that I can't do on other instruments, they're just impossible to play. Yeah, and I can find I find these these sounds on high G soprano and on soprano especially because I have I play a 12th fret soprano. I can reach the 12th fret spread with my hand, so I go from the first fret to the 12th. I have access to all of those notes. That's true. Yeah, which is yeah. You know, I can't I can't access that many notes at once on any other instrument. Just, I no, mean, I, I think my main not. reason for it. Yeah. That's interesting you're saying about a lot of people playing uh, low G recently. I've noticed that. I've noticed yeah, a lot of people yeah. playing low G, a lot of people doing sort of percussive stuff. Oh, I love uke. it. Yeah. I love to yeah. hear Yeah. Like people are really kind of pushing what the ute can do, I think. Absolutely. And it's incredible. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I think, uh, at least in the States, I mean, the ute sort of got a bad rap for a while. You know, it had its fall off in the 40s or so, you know. And a little resurgence with, with Arthur Godfrey and things like that, and then Tiny Tim sort of. I don't want to say buried it for a while, but right. let's, I, I, I like Tiny Tim. So yeah, me too, actually, I, yeah. I, I think Tai Chi was a brilliant performer. Um, but you know, it, it sort of got a bad rap as this like novelty instrument for a while. And, and here in the UK as well, I mean, I think some people viewers that too to Formby. But Formby yeah. definitely elicited some, some respect in his, his playing. Still to this day, I mean, certainly is, is very respected over here, I think. Um, but then you, you get people like, like Jake... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing such other and, and ever since you know the, that YouTube video, right? For the the seminal YouTube video of him playing while my guitar gently weeps. Right. And, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, you know, and people going, oh, it's a real instrument, right? That third wave yeah. of ukulele. People have just taken it and and pushed it so far. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's an it's an instrument. It's a tool to make music, and people are finding new ways to make music with the little tool. Yeah, I think yeah. that's amazing. Same. I mean, I think it's something I probably spoke about before on here, but um, something I love about it is that it's replacing, at least in English schools, it seems to be replacing the recorder yes. as kind of like my first instrument. Yeah, and, and slowly taking hold in American schools. Is it? As okay. well. I think we're stealing that from the Canadians, finally. Nice, uh, yeah. I mean, as a music educator, I'm very happy to see that. And it's not that... I, don't like recorder. Oh, I don't. I'll, I'll happily say that. <laughs> I do not like the recorder. I still, have, I still have one. And I, in fact, did not have to take it in school for some reason. But my mother was a public school music teacher in elementary school, so she taught it. So I was always exposed to it. And I played clarinet for years as well. Um, but I think as, as a teaching tool, uke is so much better. Um, you know, when you have an instrument like recorder that plays melodies, 
Yeah. Well, you, I can play melodies, but I can also play the harmony behind that. I can play the chords. I can address different rhythmic things. You can you can throw in, um, you know, percussive elements. You can't do any of that on recorder. So through you, you can you can really teach the full range of what is music, and people can take that and go anywhere. They can play any instrument they want if they understand music. I think it's an incredible teaching tool. I'm really really happy to see it getting more adopted in. In schools, I know it's a pain to tune 30 ukuleles for the kids every That's day. true. I have heard nightmare stories, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They have you, you see it, right? There's like a robotic tuner now. I haven't tried it, oh, but you just yes, you just I put it on. Yeah. You press a button, it tunes your your uke. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Problem solved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have heard nightmare stories of yeah teachers having to to uh, tune. Yeah, like I think literally like 110 ukes or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, yeah, probably not fun. And I don't know what quality the ukes are. So well, that's what I was By the time say. you finish doing the 110th one, the first one's probably out of tune already. Exactly, you know? exactly. There's nothing worse than an out of tune chorus of ukes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you're a musical educator. Is that how you would describe yourself primarily? Or what, what's, what are you primarily? You know? <laughs> I don't know what I am. <laughs> uh, no, I... I, I I was a performer for years and purposefully shied away from education. My, and a lot of it was because my mother was an educator, not that I didn't love teaching, and um, it was that I saw in the school systems how much bureaucracy she went through to do the thing that she loved, which was teaching music, and I said, you know, I never want to do that. And, um, and then through the internet and through, through YouTube, I found that well, I, can, I can actually teach music on my own terms yeah. without... Um, someone directing how it needs to be done, you know, outside of the school systems. And I think that's really informed a lot of my career, because I love teaching as much as I love performing, but there's, there's nothing like being on stage. But then you go to, uh, to a festival and you teach a workshop, and that's, it's just another performance, right? I mean, yes, you're, yeah. you're, and on YouTube as well, it's, it's, it's an acting gig to an extent. I think so. Yeah. Um, and it's how do you engage people and bring them into learning this thing. I teach, I teach a lot of music theory, and I, my, my main goal when I'm, I'm teaching online is you know, not to teach uke, but to teach musical concepts through ukulele so people can, can take them wherever they want in the future and understand and appreciate music more. And sometimes that gets nerdy, and how do you make that fun for people? and bring them in. So I try to do a 50-50 split of, of performance and education and, and trying to tie it all together as, as best I can. Yeah. How long have you been doing uh, festivals for? About five years now, okay. probably. Yeah. Um, Denver was my first one. I think that was five years ago now. Um, and I do like, folk festivals and things as well, things outside of just right. the, the ukulele right. circuit. Um, and, and I like doing that because then they get exposed to, to that uke world is bringing them over to the dark side yeah. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, if I can, if I can break into getting the jazz festivals, get more ukulele, I'll be a very, very happy. Man. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are they, um, I don't know if I should ask this, actually. Are they lucrative for you, the festivals? <laughs> I'll cut it out if you, if you don't yeah, ask. Yeah, no, 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 they, they can be. And, um, you know, before, before the pandemic, when life changed, you know, it was a, that was a large source of my income. Yeah. Certainly, because yeah. I, I, I do teach privately as well, but I cap it at 10 students. That's my, my limit where I feel like I can be an effective teacher throughout the week is 10 students. Okay. No more. I have friends that you teach 30. 10 um, individual, 10 individual, one-to-one. One-on-one, yeah. One yeah. On one, yeah. I have yeah. friends that you know, run music schools and teach 30, 40 a week, and I just I couldn't yeah. ever 
do that. Um, so, you, so yeah, the festivals can be, certainly. Um, but they can, they can also be draining, right? It's a lot of people and you're always on yeah. the entire time. So I, I couldn't make that everything for me. I like to, to split up my career into little bits and pieces and try to pay my rent each month. Yeah. yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, I like to do with what I do. Well, I guess, I mean, at the moment I'm mainly doing the YouTube videos, but I do do festivals and, you know, I do like a cameo and other things like that. Yes, so yes. It's nice to have um, what they call multiple revenue streams. Right? Absolutely, you, and you have to. I mean, if you're going to be a freelancer, I think yeah. you have to. You can't put all your your eggs in in one basket. Um, you never know when one revenue stream is going to go away. For sure, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I found that, yeah. especially with social media yeah. things. You know, what's what's the new hot platform that's going to actually be able to to monetize things for the creator? Yeah. Um, and that's you're always trying to stay ahead of the game, but it's a, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Hey, talking of revenue streams, actually, do you have your own strings, like ukulele strings? Oh, you know, John, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, I brought you a set. Oh, you have? Yes. Thank you so much. I know where they are. I do. I um. Oh, thank yeah, you. The Tin Man's Magic Ukulele Strings. So um, how did this come about? Um, thank you so much, Willie. Well, really actually, nice. I, I, maybe, maybe this goes back to me dressing the same every day and just being very specific about life, is I could never find strings that I loved on my instrument yeah I, I wanted to do this for years um, because I mean when it comes down to brass tacks there's there's really two types of ukulele strings we have nylon and we have fluorocarbon right and a few derivatives thereof you know and there's everyone has their favorite strings that work on their instrument and I could just never find the ones and that my, my specific problem was the C string um, my my soprano uke my wonder that I play is a slightly shorter scale than most modern sopranos uh, it's about half inch shorter um, and that messes with the string tension. Okay. And, yeah. you know, and most, most strings you buy are you know, suited for soprano or concert. They, yes, yeah. Um, or, or some, like Worths, are, they're the same gauges for the tenor size as well. Um, so I said, well, I can just start contacting fluorocarbon manufacturers myself because I knew like, fluorocarbon was, was my sound, not nylon. Um, so I ended up with a Japanese manufacturer that's, that's making these. Um, and went through, I don't know, 20 different <laughs> gauges of really? line. Yeah. Oh, you should have yeah. seen my living room. For There were just, just spools of fluorocarbon yeah. everywhere. My cat yeah. loved it. Um, he had toys. Uh, so it took me about six months to settle on what my set with, what felt good on my instrument. Um, and then what I play, and, and the reality of me releasing them for sale is because we don't sell CDs anymore, right? What, what merch items right. do we sell? So I yeah. said, well, I'll offer the strings that... I play. Yeah. Um, That's a great idea. As, yeah. as a product, because to me, strings are a really personal choice. When people ask me where they work on their instruments, I have no idea. They might sound terrible and you might hate them. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> it's absolutely okay. Um, they work for me. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have them because now I'm set for life with strings. And I know, at least on this instrument, until I have another instrument. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a one uke kind of guy that is amazing you know? I mean like you know people have got like their t-shirts and like you said CDs or a poster or something yeah. but when I don't it, know anyone else has their own custom strings there's a, there's a few there are a few out there uh, Renzo in Italy does does sell his own strings um, he has them made by an Italian fishing line manufacturer I believe because that's, I mean that's what fluorocarbon is that's who we right. we get it from it's, it's people that also make fishing line yeah <laughs> you know, there's no no mystery out there in it. but with the t-shirts I do I sell baseball shirts 
Uh, but I've always found as someone that doesn't wear t-shirts, yeah. I felt weird selling them. Right. Because it just seemed the wrong aesthetic. So I, I, I have um, eco-friendly tote bags and canvas. That oh, that's quite nice, yeah. I, so, yeah. But I, I think that's a, about, you know, just be of revenue streams. You know, yeah. merch is, I'm, I want to be, I want to offer things that I would use yeah. in my everyday yeah. life. And I, because I'm so picky, that's hard. <laughs> I think that's a great story. I think that's really, really, uh, well, amazing, actually. Really interesting as well to hear about it. How, wh how long ago was that that you put them together? Uh, the strings, I mean. It's been about a year now. Okay. About a year, yeah. Because it was actually, it was, I had just finished, settled on the gauges when we recorded the new album last October or so. Yeah. And talking of additional revenue streams, that seems like the perfect time to jump in and tell you about the ways that you can help support this podcast. I mentioned at the very front of the episode that this is something of a labour of love for me, something to help maintain slash restore my sanity after over a decade on YouTube speaking to myself day in and day out. But travelling around the country and speaking to and recording conversations with some of these ukulele greats does get a bit costly at times. Now don't worry, the Ukulele Tales podcast is free and will remain so forever, touch wood. But if you enjoy the project and want to help keep it going, then I would be ever so grateful if you could maybe help me out in one of the following ways. One, download a couple of old episodes. If you enjoyed this one, we have got some incredible names in the archive. Jake Shimabakuru, Bernadette Teaches Music, James Hill. So why not have a scroll back and see who else takes your fancy? The more downloads I get per week, the more likely I am to be able to secure some of that sweet, sweet advertising revenue from Acast, who currently host these podcasts. Two, share the love. If you have friends who also play the ukulele, or you're part of a ukulele community or circle, let them know about it. Whether they're on Facebook, a forum, or you actually meet in the real world for a strum from time to time, let your uke-loving buddies know about this podcast, as if you enjoy it, the chances are they will too. Three, you can leave me a thumbs up, a nice comment, or a review. I know it's probably different for every single platform, but I know at least if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure it's possible to leave a review or a nice comment and even a cheeky little five stars, and that really does help me out. I'm guessing it's the same on other platforms too, though I don't know for sure. But while you're at it, if you can subscribe to the show, that way it automatically downloads each and every Wednesday to your device the second that it comes out. And for Patreon, check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uketeacher, where if you sign up, you will become an official friend of the show and get early access to the podcasts, bonus chats with some of the guests, and even the chance to ask questions to some of my future guests. Uh, I'm also looking at setting up a Discord server for listeners as well, if there's enough interest. And it's a great way for you guys to message me directly with your thoughts and opinions about each episode. It's all for the cost of a couple of bucks a month, and you also get the warm fuzzies, content in the knowledge that you're helping to keep this show going. Anyway, enough about me and my woes. That's just me trying to pay a few bills. As Chris said, all of us musicians have to do. But if you can't afford it, like I said before, it's more important to me that you just get a chance to hear it and enjoy it. So please continue to download and enjoy the show for free. And as long as people do enjoy it, I'll be happy to continue to make it. Anyway, let's get back now to Chris and myself chatting away in Hyde Park. 
Apologies for some of the background noise, by the way. There are a few leaves blowing around and some people talking in the background every now and again. And at one point, and this is no joke, one of the Queen's horses, as they were then, walked by and sneezed directly into my microphone. No manners, but what a critic. That reminds me, sorry, you haven't talked at all about your sort of performing side um, as a recording yeah. artiste. Yeah, actually, that album I just mentioned is coming out <laughs> um, later half of 2022. Um, so, I mean, I have, I have a trio and a quartet in Philadelphia that I've recorded with the upright bass and violin slash mandolin and a guitarist as well. Doing your old string band music, okay. old jazz. Not original uh, pieces. So, no, some original some in that originals. vein. Original ragtime music and such as well. And, and that, and I love that. But um, there's an accordionist that I've worked with for years who's based out of France. I mean, I played bass for him when he, he tours in the, the US. And when I picked up Uke, um, we, we had toyed around with playing some tunes together. Um, so we decided, why don't we just record him? Well, he's a comp- just a phenomenal composer, Jacques Pellerin. Um, prolific <laughs> accordion composer. Um, as you know, why don't we write music for ukulele and accordion, just duets, and do a, um, do an album of that? So I flew over to France last year. Um, he's in Avignon, um, right outside of it, and we recorded half of it there. Um, and then I went back and I had to rewrite everything on uke around the accordion, essentially. So it's it's sort of half through composed, half improvised album of it and then there's there's one sh- tune on there that uh charlotte pelgin from uh bad mouse orchestra in germany sings yeah. on um oh wow oh, there's some horses, horses going past yeah see this is like That's home a- to me there's a lot of horses by my house in philadelphia really? i live right down the street from the the stables i thought there was someone sneezing yeah <laughs> but it was like a couple of probably the queen's horses going past i'm not even yeah, exaggerating yeah. so wow because we're here in um in hyde park at the moment yeah um yeah so sorry about that oh Chris. that's all right <laughs> Uh, yes, we we just we just wrapped. I just got the masters for it. Um, it's get we're doing a limited run of of lathe cut vinyls because really? vi- vinyl pressing houses are backed up for two years. Yeah, so I can't yeah. get that. So we're doing a run of just singles, A and B sides, and then some EPs. Um, like seven inches. Seven inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So se- seven inch singles and ten inch EPs. Okay. Um, yeah. So they'll, they'll be coming out uh, soon. And we were actually just talking, Jock and I had a call this morning, and we're going to record more next summer. We'll also be doing a trio album with a guitar player. Actually, the guitarist who plays in my band plays with Jacques. I, I met the guitar player in my band in Philadelphia through an accordionist in France. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Which is very yeah. odd. Um, and we play together in numerous groups in Philly. Um, so we're both going to go to France next year and record a trio record. Uh, with with shock of all original pieces. Wow, yeah, the music world is a bit like that, isn't it? You, you sort of you never know who you're going to meet from no. who and what, where it's going to take you. It's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you've been here for um, what did you say? It was two months, three just, months, just about two months. Two months. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that's the ma- pretty much the maximum you can stay. I can I can stay a little bit longer, but I was here yeah. for a bit earlier in the year, so I'm, I'm oh, running right, out of okay, time, yeah. and and yeah. I have gigs to get back to. That's the, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't gig here in the UK. Um, so I have to go back to the States and earn a living. And what brings you <laughs> to the UK? Uh, my, my partner lives here okay. in, in Kennington in, in London. Um, so I have the flexibility to come over and I 
I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was doing the same thing a, a few years ago myself, going over to the States to, yeah. to be with my partner until we got married and now we're right. together all the time. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're trying to work out that, yeah. uh, that aspect of the best way to get visas on one yeah, side of yeah. the, the pond. It's not easy to figure all that stuff out. No, it? no. Borders, yeah. are, borders are not fun. No. That's no, the reality. No. And does she come over to you? Uh, does she have a similar flexibility? Or? She does not, unfortunately. No. Um, so she'll come, she can only come over you know, two weeks at a time right. or so occasionally. And she's not allowed over as long as either to, to visit in the States. I think she can only come over right. for 90 days okay, a yeah. year. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is tough. I mean, yeah. to be able to do yeah. that. It, it, we're, we're lucky to have so many tools now for communication. Like, yeah. it's easier than it was 30 years ago to do long distance like this, but it's worth it. Yeah, so. yeah. How did you guys meet, if you don't want me asking? <laughs> we met in Philadelphia. She was working in Philly. Okay. She's a museum curator, and she was working in the contemporary department at the Philadelphia Museum of Art when we met, and I play a lot of museum events. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, around town, it's, it's fun to go do these festivals. I get to play on these big stages, but around town in Philadelphia, I'm playing, you know, art openings and weddings and just normal, normal hotel lounges and things like that when I'm, when I'm in town. on the uke or, or the bass or something else? Or? Uh, it depends. I play yeah. quite a bit of upright bass. Okay. Um, I play with a, a group that does all, like, pre-bop jazz, you know, pre pre 1950s jazz, Nat King Cole. Yeah. So, so that's like the pianist I was talking about at the beginning with the impeccable fashion and the same guitar player who's going to be recording with me. Um, we brought him in. So we do, we do that. Um, and then I have my own group um, where I do about half and half uke and guitar. I, I swap off instruments yeah. all night. I get, I get very bored playing one instrument for two hours. Right. Um, <laughs> even if it is, though uke's much easier to carry. Um, but yeah, so I swap off instruments while I'm doing things like that. Um, so about half and half, guitar, tenor, guitar, banjo, ukulele, um, play jazz standards, mostly. Yeah. Does, and if you don't mind me asking, does she have any, does she play music at all? Or? Um, she, she does, casually. Okay, she plays yeah. some piano and violin. Yeah. We're working on uke. Yeah. We're working yeah. on it. <laughs> Uh, she has yeah. she has a wonderful harmony from the twenty from the forties that yeah. I got her. Um, she used to, she used to live in in Chicago, which is where the harmony factory was. So I thought it'd be nice to get her a vintage instrument from a place where she sort of grew up a little bit in the states. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get onto uh, YouTube? What brought you there? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, part of it. This is going to sound bad, John. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> We're here for the scandal. I, you know? No, give me the scandal. You know, I, um, I worked as just a performer for, for years, and mostly with people that are older than me. And I, I watched some older musicians, you know, in their 60s and 70s, just kind of scraping by on the $100 gigs forever. And yeah. I said, I need to find other ways just performing. And, and what if I get injured or something? Like, I can't just perform. I have to find other ways to make money. And that was really where it where it started um, and say okay we'll find something online to do maybe I can release some lessons on, on YouTube which really became it was an offshoot of my Instagram which had sort of blown up a little bit in the earlier Instagram oh, okay. days okay yeah um, you know and I started doing short lessons on there and then I, I find it really hard to teach on short formats that's something like I've been that. asking so other people, yeah. I brought it, yeah. yeah and I, I, some people do it, but I feel like I can't actually give enough on 
on Instagram, on TikTok, on things. The YouTube yeah. longer, and the, the longer I'm on YouTube, I feel the longer my videos get. Really? Okay. I go, you know what, I'm just, some of them are you know, a half hour long of, yeah. of lesson now. And um, yeah, and YouTube, it was, it was necessity. It was the longer form way to, to release lessons on, on social yeah. media. And then I found, you know, there's, there's people all over the world who kind of do what I do and love the music that I love. And it was nice to sort of bring them together through that. Like we've created a nice little community on, on YouTube, you know, around a lot of those old songs and, and, and the old techniques of playing, playing uke. Because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a super progressive musical guy that's always pushing boundaries. There's other people that are doing really great things with that. I love to look in the past of the uke and see what was happening in the 20s and 30s. And, yeah. and even earlier in Hawaii, you know, the Ernest Kai stuff, I, I absolutely adore those old techniques. Um, so I just, I, I want to learn, it's so much as I want to learn things myself. So I spend all this time learning things and I want to share it with other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, why, why keep it to yourself? Yeah, and who did teach you then? How did you learn the ukulele? I learned mostly off of old records. Really? Listening, Let them buy listening. In. Buy yeah. In. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, listening and watching old video. I mean, the joys of YouTube, right? I can find those old voice smack videos. Um, it's an amazing performer, one of the first, like, big mainland performers, non-Hawaiian yeah. performers from that first youth craze who did all this ragtime. Um, and really, really popularized in the jazz and ragtime idiom. Um, being able to watch his right hand and be like, oh, that's how this goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At half speed. He, uh, he does the sort of, I guess you could say, like, magic tricks with the ukulele and stuff, Absolutely. right? I Absolutely. Mean, uh, you know, yeah. And he, he was sort of our formby. To an extent, okay, the U.S. the American yeah, right, slightly, okay, slightly yeah. earlier start than yeah. Formby, uh, but you know, also coming out of the vaudeville scene, right? Yeah. And I, I always try to keep in mind with those those early performers that they, they were performing on stages, yeah. Um, and when you're playing this little instrument, you got like Formby's fan stroke, right? Yes, is is it's something to look at? It right? looks yeah. so cool, but mm. you can see it from the back of the theater, mm. and you can see what's going on. Smack would do his figure eights and wind the clock, and he played behind his head and such things. You know, I think Van Halen stole all of his tricks from Roy yeah. Smack, all of them, every single last one. But it was necessity when you're playing those theaters because it's, it's entertainment. It's not, it is the music. It's, it's partially the music, but it's the show. For sure, it's yeah. entertaining yeah. people. And those, those tricks are, are part of that. And I think that there's a cool lineage there that I hope doesn't get lost of, you know, I, I want to respect music for being music. I love just listening to great music. But when I go to a show, I want to be entertained as yeah. well. Yeah, it can be a visual thing, I think, can't yeah. it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th I think it's important. I think it needs to be, to an extent. I generally am bored if I go watch someone just, you know, play guitar on stage for two hours and sing songs. I Do want you need, like, more. a smoke and light show or uh, maybe not that much? No, no, not maybe that much, but engagement. Engagement, yeah. I think, is, is important in performance. Um, and, and sometimes you don't get it. I feel, I go, well, I could have listened to the record and it would have been the same thing. Yeah. I want to hear those little mistakes yeah. too. That's, that's really important. That's what me. I like about some of my favorite music when I've seen it live is the, uh, I feel like a lot of people just want to hear what they hear at home on their CD player. Yeah, I don't want to hear that at all. I want to hear, you know, an extended solo or a different arrangement or something kind of cool and exciting. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're a fan of, and if you hate them, that's fine as well, but they might be giants. Do you? I, I'm vaguely aware of Oh, okay. Them. I mean, it. I have to say they are like basically my joint favorite or s slightly second favorite band of all yeah. time. Basically, since my 10th birthday when I got their album. That's I've lasting been power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been following them for that long. And I remember when I saw them live for the first time, after following them for, I guess, so I followed them from 10 to 20, 
And then at, when I was 20, they came to England for the first time in my mm. sort of adult lifetime. And the guy basically sings almost like a different melody for half the songs, or he sort of Incredible. really plays with the, yeah. the form. And uh, they have, they'll add like, you know, a string, not a string quartet, a, um, like a brass section mm. live or, or do just completely different arrangements, completely different melodies almost sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I found it like fascinating and exciting and fun and enjoyable. Yeah. But I do know that some people, you know, they just want to hear what they hear, so. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. expectations are different mm. for everyone. And you know, as a performer, how do you give them what they want when you don't know what they want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I know I can never, when I do, you know, I do YouTube play long like solo arrangements that I do. My God, trying to play the same thing twice is so tough for me. Right. Every song is different every yeah. time that I play it. People will ask me how I play something. I go, I have no idea what I played that time. Yeah, <laughs> I all. know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be different every time. And that, that's a music. The spontaneity is part of the joy of it for me, the creativity. That's something that I found a little bit stifling with my YouTube lessons because pe one of the, the worst questions people ask me all the time is, what's the strumming pattern for that? Oh. And I'm like, Ah, uh, it's my. I don't know. Like, I hate it was whatever I was just playing, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess so. So now I just simplify everything, and it's pretty much just like down, down, up, up, down, up all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, it, I won't be playing that, but you guys can play that because if I broke it down, it's just I don't really know. It doesn't even matter what it is. I'm just playing along with the music. It's, it's something that you feel serves the song in the moment. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's important. Yeah. And you know, with all of my students, I always try to. It's one of my major things: is breaking people out of strumming patterns good okay I this yeah. whole this whole series of just stop stop asking for the strumming pattern. yeah you'll understand yeah. rhythm a little bit which we all do we can tap on a foot yeah to a song you can I, I'm a firm believer that anyone can figure out the strumming pattern on their own if they want to sit down and tap along with what's happening and yeah that's, that's really all it takes to do it and then you realize you don't have to play it like that yeah and that's yeah. important too. put your own Spin, spin on, on it. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. as important to learn. I mean, I love transcription and learning exactly what other people played, so I can steal those things. Yeah, because <laughs> music is is theft. Um, but being able, you know, you you learn how other people play, so that you can better find yourself in music and your own voice in music. Um, and with strumming parents, that's important. I think you should learn how other people play things, but then doesn't mean you have to play it like that. There's not a correct strumming pattern yeah. for a song, right? Well, particularly when it's a song that doesn't have a ukulele in it, right? Oh, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I got that, that off my chest, you know? <laughs> no more strumming patterns. Right. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, people ask that every single day, every single lesson. And, yeah. it, and it stifles me because I feel I have to, like, simplify it as well. And I, maybe I need to do a lesson on just figure, how to figure out your own strumming Absolutely. pattern or something. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you can always just throw people that. Yeah, yeah. Here, watch this. Yeah. So, changing the subject, I guess, a bit. We spoke before on your podcast. Um, I was going to say a few months ago. It could have been like a, a year, year ago. ago probably. Yeah, maybe a point, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> that's pretty disturbing how quickly yeah. the time is, is flying past. <sighs> Indeed. But um, And we spoke a little bit about more... Because you, like we say, you have your, your sort of old-timey look. Yeah. And you like the old-timey music. But... We spoke about, um, you know, I'm completely blanking on the name of the uh, the song now. The um, uh, Thug's Mansion. Thug's Mansion, the, right? The, yes. the Nas remix. Yeah. Um, of Tupac, of course. Yeah, Tupac, it, right? Of course, Tupac. Yeah. And you were very familiar with it. Oh, certainly. And uh, what, so, what is your music? I feel like because you would think, looking at you and sort of speaking to you, you only really 
like sort of music if it's 120 years old. Uh, yeah, and uh, and if you looked at my uh, my Spotify playlist, you'd be surprised. I was listening yeah. to Bill Frizzell on the way over here. Um, now that's only about five years old, so one of my favorite guitar players, um, and I steal a lot of his voicings for for uke. But no, I, I listen predominantly to modern really music. Um, I love the old stuff. I love playing it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a niche that I love being in. Um, but I love hip hop. I absolutely love hip hop, um, and I love jazz informed by hip hop. Yeah, as well as one of my. I mean, Robert Glasper is one of my absolute favorite artists, keyboardist. Um, who just incorporates these these elements of modern hip hop into into modern jazz, and that's me. I love improvisational music. Okay. I, I want to hear back to hearing things differently. I want songs to to grow and evolve as I hear them. Um, so I listen to a lot of jazz, but it's not not like what old people think of. I'm not listening to Miles Davis all the time by any right. stretch yeah. of the yeah. imagination. I'm listening to Chris Davis and, and Glassburn and Derek Hodges and um, you know and Frizzell in, in, in and of himself a phenomenal. Um, Jazz artists, but then you know, I'm listening to um, you know, anything Jay Dilla's produced. <laughs> anything, who's yeah. that, sorry? Jay Dilla, a, a producer um, out of Detroit originally, who sadly passed away rather young, but he, he really changed a lot of the way that modern music looks at rhythm. I'm obsessed yeah. with, with rhythm. Um, and Bra- I listen to a lot of Brazilian music, again, because oh, of really? yeah. mostly rhythm. It's rhythms yeah. that I don't hear in. In, um, in American music. Um, and I've always thought, and this is something I love about the 20s and 30s music as well, as you know, we, we think of them like jazz songs and, and whatever, but it was dance music, right? Yeah. And, and I think I want to, dance music can be a lot of different things to different people. Slow music, fast music can all be danced to, but I, I'm obsessed with finding groove and finding rhythm and things and I think you have to no matter what music you play you have to listen to a lot of different music again to find yourself in music right find find your own voice how can you do that if you only listen to to one genre of of music you know I I listen to some some trap and and other like really yeah I was not expecting you to say that yeah I'm not a massive fan and drill which I, I feel is like the the equivalent of our trap music, you have drill music in in UK with those very strong hi hats and and what. But again, like rhythmic sensibility, I, I I think every type of music has something to it that we can learn from yeah. as as musicians. And I want to immerse myself in that, even if it's something I go, I don't actually like listening to this. Yeah, I try to find that one little thing. I go, okay, that was cool. That was cool. I can steal that. I can. I can do that somewhere. Yeah. You know, um, and I, th- I think every type of music has its, its redeeming quality in that. And then, you know, there's things I enjoy <laughs> listening yeah. to as well. Such as? Uh, well, I mean, Frizzell is my, my current kick right now. I'm just listening to his entire um, discography. I've also been on a Bud Pal kick recently, the, the Bop era jazz pianist, um, the 50s. Yeah. You know, just, just a wealth of melodic and harmonic information there to listen to <laughs> and it's just yeah every time you listen you hear you hear a new chord voice and you go oh man where did that even how does that work why is that there um so when, when i'm listening listening to music i want things that that i'm learning you're from. really studying it oh absolutely or, yeah. it's yeah. very hard for me to casually listen to music it yeah. has been since i was yeah I've, I've played music my entire life yeah um that's funny you should say that um when we were just talking before we started recording about driving. And in yeah. the brief few months that I was actually driving a car, 
I couldn't listen to music while I was driving. I listen to podcasts. But yeah, same. Because yeah. I can tune out speech much easier than I can tune out music. If you want me to get in an accident, right. put on music while I'm driving. Right, that's it's exactly the it. Easiest yeah. way, because yeah. I'll, I'll just get obsessed with something. I'll stare at the stereo instead of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should not be trusted to drive yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, podcasts. Exactly. That's my casual listening. Yeah. Is is podcasts, uh, which yeah, I haven't been doing much of recently because I'm not driving obviously while I'm here, so I just don't right. listen to them. <laughs> Yeah, um, you, are you walking around London or walking in the tube? The that's, tube, yeah. That's everything, and it's nice because I can listen to music in those instances because I can listen if I run into a tree while I'm walking. What's the big deal? Right. You yeah. know, if I run into it going 30 miles per hour in a car, that's, we have a problem. Yeah. Um, so I do listen to music when I walk and when I'm on the tube, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm listening, listening. That's, yeah. 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 I, I love that I'm able to do that. And uh, just uh, I guess just a few more quickies. Um, your community you were talking about earlier. Yeah. What do you have a name for them? Yes, we are, we are the Tin Man's Magic Ukulele Club. The Magic Ukulele Club. The yeah. Tin Man's Magic. The Ukulele Tin Man's Club. Magic yes. Ukulele Club. Yeah. Um, the Tin Man was a moniker that came up for me when when I started my Instagram page because I just I, I needed an alter ego to um, I already had kind of an established fan base for the music I was playing, and I I feel most of them did not want to hear exclusively ukulele, so I started a separate page to share ukulele things. And one of my, my friends told me that I was just so heartless, I could just be the Tin Man, it'd be yeah. easier. So we went that's with right. that, as a joke, that's as a joke. To, like, right, okay. If to anyone listening. Like a Wizard uh, of Oz thing. Exactly, yes, okay, well, okay. and it made sense because you know, Over the Rainbow is such an integral song oh, yeah. Yeah. In, the, um, in the world, and, and it's that time period of, of music that I, that I love. So the Tin Man kind of became the, the inside joke with a few of my friends. So it's the Tin Man's Magic Ukulele Club, um, so, a members only section of my website. We have less new lessons every week. We have our own Slack channel to hang out and talk and like share each other's progress and, and live streams a few times a month of just an hour lesson just to, to hang out and talk about music. We do, we do listening parties. I, just, I, make, I love listening to music, but listening, listening to music. So, when I, when I teach a song, I put together a separate video on there of List, us listening to different versions of that song together and hear what other people did with it. And these, these songs for the 20s and 30s, how they evolved yeah. over the years. Like, Tonight You Belong to Me, which is... From the jerk. I mean, really not from the jerk. But, but not from first, the jerk, uh, right? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's yeah. the thing is we know it from the jerk because it's the modern iteration, but it was originally a waltz. Right, okay. Written in the 20s with a beautiful verse that makes uh, the chorus much less creepy. Okay. It kind of contextualizes yeah, things right, and okay. is less stalkerish. Yeah. sort of sounding um, and was, was a minor hit for Gene Austin but then um, it was re-recorded in the 40s by a, a sisters group um, Prudence uh, oh my gosh I can't remember the t- name off my head and that's that's the version in 4-4 that we know with the, the harmonies it was not a duet originally those two parts weren't originally there in the right, song okay. they rearranged it and then it was a hit for some, some early rock and roll artists in the 50s sort of fell off and then the jerk brought it back um, into kind of the modern world. So the way that even the, the song structurally has changed over the years is so interesting. And so many of those old songs have that, that history that I've gone back and seeing what was, what was originally, what did the composer write? And how do we end up with what do we have? So one of the other things, we'll, we'll analyze chord changes and be like, well, this is what the composer wrote. Yeah. This is what everyone plays now. How did we get from here? to hear and it's always a lesson because there's generally reasons for that you have common chord substitutions and things yeah yeah 
And how does that? So how does a listening party work? Are you kind of pausing and saying, "Hang on a second, here's a good bit," or yeah, yeah. Like, so really, we we, yeah. We, put, we put on the recording. It's, I mean, it's something you can't put on YouTube, right? Because it's right. Yeah, get, yeah, uh, yeah, demonetized yeah. in 15 yeah. seconds and get blocked yeah. um, on there. So that's why I do is a, a private thing. But yeah, no, I just say that we we call it coffee talk. So okay. I brew some coffee, sit there on camera, drink coffee, listen to music, but describe the different parts that are happening in the song. What's what's changing as we listen to the different versions of it? And what intrigues me about those recordings? of the song and then and then the great thing is having the slack channel where people will go like oh but you missed this version of the song that i love and a lot of times that we want i've never heard that has all these different elements in it so then we we post over there and get our own little um little playlist together of all the the different versions of the songs that you can listen to and then the goal is come up with your own version of the song. oh really that's yeah. cool that's you know right. yeah how, how do you get to how you hear it yeah yeah Wow, so that's the Banjolele... Oh, wait a second, hang on. Your full yeah. nickname is the Banjolele Tin Man. Yeah, well, we were with just the Tin Man. The, the ukulele Tin Man was taken as a, a tag on Instagram, which is the only reason it became Banjolele. It wasn't because I wanted to play Banjolele. Right, okay. After okay. I made the name, I said I should go buy a Banjolele. Yeah, <laughs> did you? Or? I did, I did. Yeah. And I, I have a wonderful one made by David Pratt now that I've played, but I, I find on camera... So much louder than my voice. Yes, yeah. I can't. I can't play it. So I play. I, I said, you know, I really just play my Wondercomer. At gigs, I, st- I do still play my Banjolele. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a great sound, and yeah. for Clawhammer, it's really wonderful. Um, I prefer that than the wooden uke for Clawhammer. Um, but uh, it's got a good look as well that goes with your sort of uh, oh, ensemble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're they're beautiful instruments. You know. Um, but yeah, so I play some Banjolele, but. That's the banjo late ten man, which just becomes it's what what I could get. Yeah, I know. I think I was pretty lucky being basically like sort of the first or second person doing what I'm doing yes, to get yeah, my name. Yeah. Right? It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Today I don't know what I would do. I just who knows what I'd be called. But yeah. yeah. Well, at this point, as you may have heard, the road sweeper was not leaving us alone. It seemed like he was here to stay. So we basically had to knock the conversation on the head for a few minutes. But I actually kept the recorder on. And Chris and I, as you can probably imagine, kept chatting nonetheless. And in fact, there was a good 10 minutes of salvageable conversation on the tape recorder when I was listening back to it. Where Chris and I talk about, amongst other things, the worlds of professional wrestling and stand-up comedy. And the similarities that they have to the music business. It's a really fun and interesting chat, and if you want to hear it, you can check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uketeacher, for a bonus 10 minutes with the Tin Man. But right now, the road sweeper has done his rounds, so let's head back for a little bit more chat with Christopher Davis Shannon. Well, you know, we, we touched on TikTok for a few seconds earlier. Yeah. And then we, we sort of veered away from it. But I was going to ask you, just because it's like a little bugbear of mine, and I've asked, I feel like everyone else, do you, what, do you think there's value in like a 15-second music lesson? No. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your full answer? Because I'll accept that. You know? uh, no, I have. Oh, uh, so I, I, I tried TikTok. Yeah. Um, because it is the new hot social media platform. Right, and, P- yeah. and I, it's really great for showing off like short virtuosity. Yes, on an issue yeah. for education. I think I, I even have done some short lessons up there. Like, I'll show you some chords real fast in 15 seconds. And I, I don't think it is. There's also, from a creative standpoint, conversions are terrible on there to get because 
TikTok is the best I have ever seen at keeping people on the platform. Right. More than anything else. Um, and that's why I, I just, uh, I deleted it off my phone. Um, my wife deleted it off my phone, actually. Because I, <laughs> but, uh, I, I had moments where I, the algorithm is so good. Is it? At serving yeah. you things. Yeah. That you forget what time it is. It's just, it's highly addictive. And I just say, I, I, this is, this is a, this is bad for society. I sound like such an old man right well, now, but yeah. I, I really actually feel that way about TikTok and the, you know, Instagram is really pushing reels currently. And I, yeah. I sort of feel the same way about that. And, and I don't feel like the people that watch me want that yeah. short form okay. content. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it has value in what I do. I think there is value for it in yeah. TikTok, just maybe not in music. Well, I asked, Je- I think it was James Hill about the same question. And I think he said, like, it has value in that it can be inspiring, you know. Absolutely. So if you see someone play 15, for 15 seconds, you think, wow, that's amazing. Um, that might inspire you or just continue your sort of interest yeah. or journey in the, of the ukulele. But educationally speaking, I'm not sure there's a huge amount you can learn. No, no, I don't think so. Um, anyway, I, I really have hated as a performer the the push towards shorter and shorter form content except youtube which pushes for longer and longer yeah, form i feel yeah, um, yeah. which is why i love it so much it's, it, you feel like you're creating your own tv show yeah. at some point yeah. um but the shorter form content from a performance standpoint because i found myself in the, in the early instagram days actually when it was you know 15 seconds it was 30 15 seconds, seconds. Was it? Yeah, originally yeah, yeah it's like well you only actually have to know 15 seconds of the song to post it. Yes. That, I've definitely done that, uh, played to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, but what's the value? Like, did I ever actually learn the song? No, I learned 15 seconds of it to wow an audience. But how is that beneficial for me as in my growth and development as, as a musician? Um, so I just never felt that it was. And I, I don't want it to create a, a generation of people that can't perform full songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I'm, I'm all with the short. I, th- I think, I think songs should be short. You know, two and three minute songs are the best songs, right? Well crafted pop song is, is an art in and of itself, and I think that's great. The 15 seconds isn't enough. Yeah. To give it that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you should say about the algorithm of TikTok, and even like, and all the platforms all as well. Of them, I guess, they and they yeah. keep developing. Yeah. Because I, I think I'm, really unusual in that regard. In that, um, it doesn't affect me as a consumer. Because, and it's one of the reasons why I didn't like TikTok, because I was talking to actually one of the developers of YouTube, actually, this is years ago, about the algorithm. And uh, I said, I use YouTube like I use Google. I want to search for something, I find that thing, Same. and then I watch it. Same, yeah. So it, it's not like I don't just go onto YouTube and be like, serve me. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I want to see this song or this video or this whatever it is. And, um,. So I, I don't have the same experience as a lot of other people, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same way we were talking earlier about how I, I really don't watch YouTube right. much. I, I use another service, which is just like curated content that I know I want to watch. It has yeah. no algorithm yeah. to serve yeah. you. you. You know the creators that you want to watch on there, and you watch them, and I enjoy it. It's all educational yeah. stuff. Um, that's a beautiful dog, but yeah. that's like a lion. It's, oh it's a, he's got a brother. Oh, yeah, there, two lions. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Magnificent, uh, but yeah, the the algorithms and uh, <laughs> your TikTok and, and Instagram as well. Sort of trying to be TikTok, I think at this point, you know, it has to, it has to be right. Yeah, I mean, just demographically, you're watching. You, I don't know if you keep up with the numbers on who's where and on what platforms and what's uh, you I'm, know. 
who who's watching what, and you know TikTok is just performing so much, but and eating Instagram's lunch. Oh right, yeah, yeah, analytics and stuff. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I've been trying to stay on top of it, but I just I I don't find value for myself on there, despite thinking that the algorithms would push people. Things like my my TikTok ended up being entirely hip hop producers, was what really? it served to me. Yeah, because that's why I loved watching. Yeah. <laughs> But then I could go for hours listening to beats, and I was like, no, no, where am I? What am I doing? I should be practicing right now, you know, sort of thing. Uh, it was just so good at serving. Yeah. Different, yeah. You know, exactly what you wanted. But TikTok throws it in your face on like YouTube. Right. Just, here's okay. the next video. You're, because it's 15 seconds, you're right on the next video. You don't realize you're watching another video until it's almost done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's incredible, but the, the attention span of it is, is tough. I, uh, my wife loves Instagram. Um, there's like a, what, what's the page off the homepage? Like the search page or the sort of discover page? Oh, the or discover something. page, yeah. yeah. And I, I swear, I, I swear, I had never gone on that discover page on my Instagram until my wife showed it to me. Oh, and right, I look what's at it. on there? Well, this is it. I'm like, how do they know? It's basically, it's like attractive girls playing bass guitar. And I'm like, Interesting. I'm Mine like, is almost entirely red pandas. Really? What red pandas? Yeah, they're what, just they're adorable. That? Yeah, you know, like a panda, like the little they're like raccoons, really. Okay, yeah, yeah. The red pandas—they're indigenous to Tibet, I think. Right. Okay. But they're just really adorable when they—they're defense mechanisms. They stand on their hind legs and go. Yeah. To look really big, but it's actually the cutest thing in the world. Yeah. So I just—I yeah. send them to my partner all the time. Just pictures of red pandas. And that was your. Discover so that's page. my whole discover okay. page—is is yeah. red pandas. Yeah. Not music. No, mine was like attractive girls playing bass guitar. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do like that actually. But I have never told anyone. Like, how did you how know? know? Yeah. How did you know my weird fetish? Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. So yeah, they are powerful, these algorithms and uh, things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah uh, scarily in a way. But on, on the other hand, like there are a lot of things on, on YouTube. You, you get the what, what's up next when you have the autoplay on. Okay. So you go search out something. And I have found numerous things that I genuinely do like. Yeah, on YouTube that I probably never would have searched for myself. So I think there's there's real benefits in it, and I felt when I was on, on TikTok, I found some producers that I really enjoyed. I still follow their work on other platforms now. Um, so I think there's utility there. Yeah, but it's also a you know an Orwellian sort of thing for sure <laughs> as yeah. well. Yeah, and it's where where do you draw the line yeah. um, in this in this digital world of what's acceptable for how far can the the technology push you into making your decisions for you. Yeah, yeah. Man, well, what a world we live in, right? <laughs> I was about to like go on a little round on that. I'm like, no, you know what? I can't even bother to, <laughs> yeah. to, to start off on that. Um, so let's, uh, I guess, start to wrap things up a little sure. bit. Uh, what is next for you? I know you're going back home in a couple of days, right? Back home for some, I have a bunch of gigs planned for the next year. Just, just one uke festival, a lot of bass playing. Um, for me, we have the album coming out. Um, releasing a series of singles over the next few months. The actual album will be out end of November. Un under what so name? To, uh, it's under my name and Jacques' name, so Christopher Davis Shannon and Jacques Pelleron. So we'll be we're releasing that soon. It's just a series of, of duets for accordion and, and ukulele, all original instrumental compositions. Releasing it as a series of vinyl singles um, and then a 10-inch EP at the very end. So that'll be rolling out on, on digital platforms as well, the singles. Um, and the, the vinyl is going to be actually exclusive um, first dibs to the, the Magic Ukulele Club. It's, nice, it gets okay. first pick of, of the vinyl, so it might sell out before it hits the public. How many are you uh, pressing? We're doing 50. So the album is called 50-50. Okay. Um, 
and so we're doing 50 pressings. Yeah. It, and that's that's it. So it's going to be a very short run because um, I'm not not doing CDs for it. I haven't had a CD player in years, so I'm not yeah, doing same, CDs. Yeah, same. <laughs> I know a couple a couple of times I've done these interviews, and so I'll be like, oh, here's my CD, and uh, I'm like, oh, thanks very much. I always like, feel uh, bad because what, what do I do with that? You know. At, the, at this point, yeah. I'm just honestly like I. Just, Keep it and sell it to someone. Yeah, I will buy your music on Bandcamp. Oh, that's a nice idea. I'll have to remember. Is <laughs> always yeah. always yeah. my thing because yeah. I, I I do like to actually support artists. I I won't go on a rant about streaming. Um. <laughs> well, I was just about to ask: Is your music going to be on uh, you know Apple Music or Spotify? It, it'll be on all. We'll be releasing just the singles, not the entire record okay. on the streaming platforms. The entire record will only be on Bandcamp. Um, I think streaming's a, a great thing, but you know. We gotta pay for the record somehow. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's getting a harder and harder thing to do. Albums are sort of becoming um, almost vanity projects because it's so hard to, so, to monetize yeah, yeah. them through stream. But on the other hand, I think streaming is great because accessibility to music, I think, is just as important. Yeah. So um, I put out as much as I can on there as well. Okay. Okay. Then yeah, a series of gigs. I'm, I'm traveling around the states a little bit playing bass. Oh yeah, for, you travel for, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Less, less so these days. I've actually been trying to cut down the amount that I fly places, um, just environmentally. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of flying for like weekend yeah. dates as much as I can. Uh, so I like being over here. I can take trains places, which is yeah. much better for the environment. So, I but I am I'm doing a couple fly dates when I get back. Okay. No choice, uh, playing bass for a band. Have you been to the? I was just asking. Have you been to the um, LA Ukulele Festival? Yeah, yeah, and I played there. And I, I think it was 2019. I played the LA Uke Fest. Uh, it's a blast. It's a really good one. Yeah, it's lovely. I, I love really it. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and much like the many of the other festivals, I just love getting to meet all those other artists, especially the ones that seemingly only exist in the online world. Uh-huh. You get yeah. to. They're real. They're real people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's incredible to interact with them in person instead of be a messenger and things such as that yeah um cool so okay this is the last question sorry it's got a bit it's just something got really windy and i'm just not sure how yeah, yeah. good it's going to sound but um so thanks for, for your time if people want to follow you if they you know how can they kind of stay in touch with you and, and keep up with with your, yeah, your work the easiest way is my website which is the tinman.co not .com. The tin company will not sell that domain to me, unfortunately. Oh, right. Uh, I did, I've always yeah. wondered about that. That's actually. why it's, it's .co. Sort of, yeah. Yes. It yes. sort of looks like a typo or something in a it way. It does. I always, yeah. have to, I always have to tell people, no, no, it is .co. And if you send an email to Christopher at thetinman.com, they're getting really sick of it. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Do you know who this guy is? No or, idea. No, no idea. I wish they'd just sell me the domain. Life yeah. would be easier. Just yeah. say .com. Well, easier for you. Maybe not so much for them, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't worry about them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they can follow you on Instagram, YouTube. Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook. Just Google Christopher Davis Shannon. I'm the only one in the world, so I'm easy to find. The only one in the world. I'm not even the only John Atkins in my family. Yeah, yeah. There's like four of us. Yeah, um, we have... Uh, yeah. My, my brother and I's generation are the only Davis Shannons. My, fa- my mother is Davis, my father is Shannon, and they, they hyphenated the names. So my mother did not change her name when they got married. Um, so we're the... Actually, my brother has children that were in Davis, Shannon, which is surprised when they took the, the long name. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we are. We're the only ones out there. Okay, cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thanks and, for having uh, me. I'll catch up with you soon. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Wow, it's a long one, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. Just want to say another big thank you to Christopher Davis Shannon 
for the excellent conversation and for being so generous with your time. I hope to catch up with you again in person somewhere in the not too distant future. Who knows where, who knows when, not me. But you guys, I will be catching up with very soon. And I know exactly where it'll be at the same place, the same time next Wednesday. Yes, Ukulele Tales, the podcast is out every single Wednesday. And I will be back with another great guest at the same time next week. So be sure to tell your friends, family and ukulele communities because I'd love for them to join in on the fun. Oh, and don't forget an extra 10 minutes on Patreon, all about the worlds of stand-up comedy, professional wrestling, and the music business. I've been the ukulele teacher, John Atkins. This has been Ukulele Tales, the podcast. And until next time, I love you all, and I wish you the best. <laughs>